Hello, beauties. Welcome to Rebels on Purpose, a truth-telling podcast where we explore what it means to live boldly with purpose, on purpose. Through real conversations, we anchor radical curiosity, awareness, and love as fundamental tenets of our lives. We commit to relentlessly calling ourselves and one another up through presence, openness, and saying what needs to be said. This show is our way of calling a modern day circle where we focus on freedom, truth, joy, and the celebration of being fully alive. Please join me, Lindsay Nazan, and my bestie, Jamie Matiason, as we explore the fruits revealed to us through a devoted practice of soul inquiry as we journey towards our sacred responsibility. Hey everyone, welcome back to the pod. Hi James. Hey Linz. We're very excited to be back to share the, are we on the seventh, the seventh Niyama or seventh, seventh tenant of spiritual ethical tenets of yoga? Yamas and Niyamas. Eight. Okay. Well, Sorry. we're on the eighth one. <laughs> right. We just had a little hiatus. Yes. So. Yes, we've had a hiatus, which is why I can't remember the numbers. Um, But today we are talking about probably one of the, I don't know, it's probably one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course it is. (laughs) We'll get into that later. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm a little, maybe it's not quite the healthiest reason why it's my favorite, but is my favorite nonetheless. Uh, One of anyway, and it is called tapas. Um, Not to be confused with the Spanish snack food tapas that we're talking about it is spelt the same way but tapas is discipline self-discipline it can be translated in a a few different ways but uh literally the word means heat or like cooking ourselves uh so it is kind of funny that it's connected to tapas which is food because it is um it is kind of akin to this idea of like cooking and simmering and, and letting something new come from what is put together, put through, put through the heat. A few other words that I've read and that Deb talks about in her book that kind of can be translated from the word tapas is catharsis. So, you know, like a big release, uh, moving through, letting go, um, spiritual effort or, uh, fortitude, um, change or transformation right and i mean when we think about tapas we think about heat which brings me to thinking about the element of fire and of course fire is the element of change and transformation so it sort of goes hand in hand uh and then austerities that's definitely in traditional yoga practice austerities are the 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 things that we do as a form of spiritual practice you know they talk about uh like the rishis would sit in the in the summertime with a fire burning as a austere practice of tolerance to learn how to disengage from the bodily and mental resistance that comes up when we're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So when I think about tapas, what I think about is the phrase getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Hell yes. I have that <laughs> written down too. I say it pretty much every day. <laughs> to my children, to myself, to my partner. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting when I was thinking about this uh this tenant, I mean all I thought about was you. Oh, really? <laughs> Maybe it's a way so I didn't have to think about myself. 
<laughs> and all the ways I go around tapas. <laughs> and I do love tapas. I love, I have a, a love hate. I have a summer home at tapas. Like I visit there <laughs> often. <laughs> I, I just, I, I realized when I was thinking about this, like I have to navigate the language around tapas because the word discipline makes my skin crawl. Like I, I have spent so much of my life um, in, in some state of discipline and it really just, I haven't worked through all of the residue of that word yet. And so I prefer the word sadhana. I prefer the word sadhana, which is a spiritual, a daily spiritual practice, right? So there's ways of, um, that I go around the harshness of tapas. And when I first started practicing this, that was really legit. Like I, I didn't have the bandwidth or, um, I didn't have the foundation of the yamas yet with well, the first time I went through this practice in order to sustain any level of tapas for any given period of time. It was just, it just burned too hot. And my patterning was so strong of avoidance and armoring that it was really hard for me to get a feel for this. And as time has gone on, I really, I really made my way with this because I've been able to find out um, practices in my life that help me work with this in a healthy way. Um, like tra training for the, the 70.3 was one of those moments that I really remember. It's like, I used my physical body. So this is, this isn't a, a tenant of spiritual, emotional, physical, like it's all of the things. It's not just our spiritual discipline. It's like how we move our body, how we use our body in order to, to gain this, awareness of a deeper pure form of ourself and movement is one of those things that I have to do and I really like I was very disciplined in the first round of training for that and I remember feeling it in my body I remember like shedding things that didn't like not just physical weight but like shedding stories and all of these cool things that came through so sometimes you go in through the body sometimes we go in through the mind and tapas is one of those tenants, I think, that can really lend itself to all of those things. And I really think of it as fiery passion now. Like, that's my term for it. It's the, the fire that burns within me and how I can use that to burn away what's not necessary anymore, to burn away the impurities, to burn away the stories. Um, I'm going to just talk a little bit about this because I'm kind of here right now. But, you know, I think one of the things that I've come to realize is that the fear of fire is ancient for women. And, you know, there were the burning times. There was a period of time for 300 years where, I mean, the numbers are <laughs> sketchy, but anywhere from 35,000 to 9 million women were thought to be burned as witches. And I know that that's in me. I feel that residue in me. And so I can feel the fear of that and all of the things that that conjures up in my life around the fear of telling the truth, the fear of speaking out, the fear of being angry and rageful. Like, I know this is a little bit off the veer of tapas in terms of like the discipline of it, but we have to talk about this undercurrent of this element because I work so closely with the elements in my life that fire is here in this element. And it really has a massive impact um, that I've just come to uncover. It's like, oh, this gets to be here too. Like I get to do that. And so the, one of the beautiful thing that's come through with that awareness is that tapas now for me is healing practice. It's the catharsis you talked about. It's like every time I heal those old wounds of 
my lineage of my ancestors and I heal those pieces in myself, I'm healing the whole line. Like those burning times don't have such an impact on womanhood. And this is really true right now with learning how to speak and tell the truth and not apologize and be okay with rage and be okay with my anger and to speak it in real time like that. That's a new thing for me, really new thing in a healthy way where it wasn't coming out inappropriately. So this, this tenant is, has really evolved for me. Like it, it's, it's really changed into something that I, I kind of adore now and I might be taking some liberties here with that, but um, yeah, I don't know. I stand by it. <laughs> I love that you brought up the piece about the, the fear of fire, particularly for women. I, when you were talking, had a memory of before tapas was an understood concept in my intellect, let alone in my physical being, like in my structure, what would happen to me when tapas would show up as an opportunity is that I would cry mm-hmm. instead of bringing forth the passion that was there, the, the fight, yep. like you called it the fierce passion, the fiery passion, what would come through was tears water (laughs) um to try to cool down or to try to displace what was actually there which was a variety of things that are all relatively connected to fire so anger rage injustice um betrayal distrust a dishonoring um some sort of untruth was inside of me that needed to be brought forward. And I, instead of bringing that forward, I would just cry, I would fall apart. And then I would layer into my identity that I'm a broken mess and I have no impact because all I do is fall apart all the time. Yes. And I, so when I was listening to you talk about this feeling that it's inside of you and every time you bring forth the fire in you through sadhana or a practice of tapas, it heals this a little bit more. And for me, I feel the same. And what I have realized and am learning even in very, very real time is like the only ingredient that, that displaces that or starts to dissolve that ancestral pain is courage. It's daily courage, (laughs) being willing to step into the fire and be the fire and then let other people see and feel it. Mm -hmm. I feel fire plenty. I have an inflammatory autoimmune disease. <laughs> yes, you are familiar. <laughs> I'm really familiar, but other people aren't as familiar with it in me because I internalize it and I hold it inside. And then it, it does make me ill if I don't let it be seen in the world and expressed. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I always have talked about when people, coaches, spiritual teachers, mentors have asked me or friends have asked me, like, well, what is the quality that you want more of? I always say confidence. And the antidote or the answer to that is always, well, you need more courage. Like courage mm-hmm. is the main ingredient of confidence. You can't have confidence without courage. Mm-hmm. So I do string it back to like, you can have as much discipline as you want, but if you don't have courage alongside it, discipline is toxic. Mm-hmm. And it, it will hurt you. It, it hurt me lots. Like I was very disciplined for a lot of my life in ways that caused great harm to myself and to my family at times and friendships. Right. So oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you about like the word discipline can be very misleading. Hmm. And, um, 
there is a relationship to be created with it that is healthy. And, you know, I think the piece about using the word sadhana that I like is that it invites a community relating around the discipline. Like it's not you just, it's, it is internal. It's you with you, but it's also you out in the world in a way that other people are part of. Yeah. Whereas in the, in the like alpha capitalistic, like Western look at discipline, it's very much about like getting to the top and doing it yourself and being on your own and independence and sort of like the hyper version of all of those things. Yep. And I think it, you know, it leaves behind some of these pieces of um, like, like the truth of what the, the forging of the fire actually creates in us. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is, that that is the piece that is still, you know, we've talked about this back and forth over the last few months, even this really strong hold that the roots of discipline have on our lives of like how easy it is to go into like, put your head down and grind it out and like work, 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 produce, produce, produce. Like it's insidious because we have been taught that from the go, literally, like people are trying to get their two-year-olds to recite the alphabet. Like, you know, if your kid isn't walking or talking by the age of three, then they have to go see a therapist. Like that is in us so young. We're not even conscious of it. And then when we become conscious of it, it becomes our goal and it becomes our our badge of like, look how good I am at my life. Like, look how disciplined I am. And discipline without heart is harm. Like it just 100% is. And if you don't have awareness around what, what that discipline means to you, like what is the heart behind the discipline it just is motivation. You know, it's just like this, I've got a motive and I'm getting to a goal and I'm not really present to the, the ins and outs of the energy daily. And that's why the sadhana to me is really important. Like, because that's a a spiritual check-in time. Like that's a, a cultivation of awareness and mindfulness in our lives. Otherwise we're just driving, right? Like I spent enough time doing that. Thank you very much. And I knew it all along. I was always aware that this was not how I was supposed to be doing my life, but the conditioning and the pressure to perform and to, I don't know, attain some arbitrary goal of a degree, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it was. um, It was just so ingrained in me that that battle was always happening inside of me. And it wasn't until I started to do this work where I thought, oh yeah, I do have an outlet. So I was, that was the anarchist in me was like, okay, everybody's telling me to do this. And I have this discipline to do it so that I get the accolades and I get accepted in my life and my community. But I'm over here actually doing my life on, on the down low because I have to, because that passion is calling me, but I can't own it in my real life. That's why discipline, I think feels so dangerous to me because I lived this alternate life where I had two things going on where I was like in secret living with the life I wanted to live, which was full of tapas. It was fully passion. It was activism. It was all of the things that I am now, but yeah, it was just, that word just really is loaded for me still. So I'm really careful with it because I know when it gets its grip on me that uh, it's, it makes me sick and not like not like loving my life very much and I'm not very fun to be around quite honestly so I love that you're that you're bringing this forward because I think that it's really easy to misrepresent what tapas is when we use that word as the definition yeah um 
there's a lot of deconditioning in tapas. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, I had an overly attached relationship with discipline for a very long time. And what my tapas practice has been and still is to this day is the discipline of rest as a mm. daily practice, sometimes moment to moment practice. And to me, like I've never connected rest as a discipline, <laughs> but fuck, is it ever a discipline for me? Like I literally have to like stop everything and put everything down. Like it takes me a lot to get to a place of authentically going into a restful state. And so I guess I, I love how you're approaching this because you're really you're really bringing the nuance in right away. Like this isn't basic. This isn't an A to B of like, I go and do the goal and I get the result and I'm productive. And that means I have good tapas. Like <laughs> that's not right. That that's, that's goal setting. Good on you. Great. There's yeah. definitely a place for it. That is an external practice that is put on us by our culture and our society and our upbringing and our childhood and our social networks and all <laughs> of the things that, contribute to the identity that we live in the world on the outside. Yeah. Tapas is an internal practice, 100% internal. Oh, yeah. So it's an inner fire that burns. And so if you have an unhealthy relationship with discipline where you're like, I don't know how to stop. I'm a workaholic. I go, go, go. I don't take a deep breath. I drink 25 coffees in a day. I can't go to sleep without drinking wine before bed. I need to do weed just to get a, a freaking nap in or, you know, mm -hmm. I can't stop. That is part of the work of tapas is actually learning how to stop. Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it is cool, right? And so I think it turns it on its head a little bit the way you're talking about it, which I really appreciate because I think that's actually a starting point for most of us who live here in a Western world that is driven by external goals and hashtags and 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 um, signposts or goalposts of like, get here now, get here now. You get your house and you get your kids and then you get your big job and you get your CEO hat and then you get your millions and whatever, right? Like there is you're a- the and Your therapist. You're there, yeah, exactly. To keep all the pieces together. So <laughs> yeah, it, it is an unpacking and it's, it's completely self-imposed. Yeah, it's just so easy for tapas to become a way for us to- make our spiritual practice fit into the box of the patriarchy and the conditioning that we've lived in of like being productive, right? Like that, exactly what you were just talking about. That line is razor thin, right? I mean, you've talked about this piece before with your, um, your practices where they were so disciplined, but there was no awareness with how shitty they were making you feel and how it was hurting your physical body, right? So discipline, it, it, it can, it's not the word itself. It's how we utilize and how we relate to that practice and how, how do, if, if it doesn't have heart, like you said, then we're going to be in trouble. If it doesn't have awareness and mindfulness, we're going to be in trouble. And then we might as well just drop it all and just go out and be a CEO or do whatever we were told to do from the get-go. You might as well, like, yeah, be like might as well. Yeah. And, it, and if you turn off the awareness, you won't know the difference anyway. So go have a nice, happy, blissful, ignorant life. Like it's, it's all good. And, the, you know, and it is all good if you want to go do that, I, you know, it's great. But if there's an inkling in you, you mentioned this earlier, 
you knew all along in your discipline life when you're like chasing the degree and all the things you knew it wasn't right. You were like, there was a seed inside of you of contempt that was like, fuck, what am I doing? This is not who I am. And so then you like started like digging in the corner of your bedroom, like I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to build this, this person I know I am supposed to be, or I know I already am. Mm -hmm. And you created her in secret. Right. And, and that was your toughest practice until you were able to bring it into your, your, your life that you were living on the outside and began to put it out into the world. And, and like you said, integrate it into a true sadhana or a true practice that crossed over like this spiritual action crossed into your, you know, productive life or your, your outside life. Right. Yeah. There's emotional maturing that had to happen throughout that, like that I didn't have access to, but I was secretly flipping the bird to everyone I mean I left my degree with seven units to to graduation like two classes and I was like nope see ya like it was the biggest bird I could flip to the life prior to it was like a line in the sand moment where it's like and then that's when I started to really look at like my life that's when I started to that's when I met yoga when I was like 21 or 22 you know that that was that moment where I was like okay this is I'm just going to do this. And it's not like I haven't oscillated back and forth. And I think that will happen with this, with this tapas, right? Because you cannot just sit in the fire and burn yourself into a pile of ashes because that is not going to serve you either. You have to know, you have to know when to step back and cool off and get some perspective because when we're burning those impurities up, it's, you know, I told my group of wild when we moved into fire, it's like, if you call this in, if you call in this work, this internal work, like you said, like this is an inside job, she might come in and burn your house to the ground. And that might, what's necessary. You have to stay aware. So, you know, if this is what is supposed to be going on for you. And then you get to ask yourself, can I just stay here for one more breath? Can I, can I see this through just for one more breath? I don't need to stay here for the month, but can I just see what happens? Like those little baby pieces of this tenant to me are imperative at the beginning because you know like sitting in the fire and burning yourself alive and waiting for the blessing that's not always healthy and sometimes it is but that nuance of that is like it takes practice like that's why we don't start with tapas (laughs) even though it feels like when you start this work it's all tapas (laughs) but the real internal work right like this the, the heart of this tenant you have to be you have to go slow I think I agree with you. I think you're right. I think that's why it's the uh, eighth tenant. That's why it comes in this order, because if we knew what it was in the ahimsa stages or the very, we'd just be like, oh my God, we would literally just burn ourselves alive. But, you know, I have done my own way a few times over and I've had to learn some hot ass lessons. Mm. And some of you listening will have that experience too, probably like, or have had, like, it's, it's okay. It's, it's part of who we are and how we navigate our practices and our, and our worldly lessons and our spiritual lessons, right? It's, we all do it different. Like Jamie, you and I do it differently. You, you go out and away and I go in and through too much. Both of us just do too much of that on either end. Um, and you know, neither of those are, are good or bad. They're just the way they are when we're, and they're, they're, they get bad when we go into the pattern of it and it takes over everything. And then it yeah. costs, causes harm, right? Yeah. yeah, there's a great quote from Deb's book that seems really timely to share right now. And it says, tapas can take us to the place where all of our resources are used up, 
where there is nothing left but weakness, where all of our so-called props have been taken away. It is in this barren place where we have exhausted all that we have and all that we are, that new strength is shaped and character is born if we choose to fearlessly open ourselves to the experience. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I love that piece where she speaks of it being a barren place. Barren. Yeah, it's like this. And when I hear anybody, any spiritual teachers talk about, authentically talk about tapas, they talk about how using things like pranayama, you know, or yoga movement or fasting, you know, these kind of austere practices create space inside of us for a new landscape. And then when you have this new landscape, you get to plant new seeds for mm. different ways of being. And I think if you have awareness inside of that barren place, it's terrifying. I'll be honest. It's scary because you're like, well, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to put here. I don't know what's going to take up this space. And it's scary to be spacious. If you're a Vata person like me, who's like, I don't want to put my feet on the ground. Um, <laughs> but it is a beautiful thing because it's, a, it's a birthplace, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. an agent of change. It creates an opportunity for us to actually choose to be the person that we want to be, or to become the person that we're meant to be. Uh, I think so. Yeah. It's, it's an evolution for sure. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I love that idea of like creating space with with the practices. Like that's one of the things that's so lost us on us in the West is like the practices all about the physical body and keeping it fit. Honestly, let's just let's just call it what it is. And those practices are so much more beautiful than that. Like they have they're so much richer than that. And the idea that it can create space for new life. It's like that this is the tapas is the end of the, the birth and death cycle. Like there is this thing of like burning away what's no longer needed and letting it die and be the fodder for the next thing that's to come. And we don't get to know what that is all the time. We just have to do the work of burning what we know we no longer need and getting rid of it and letting it die and quit hanging on and quit, you know, I mean, that that's a different podcast, but this, this is really what that is to me. It's like, this is the death of the things that are not necessary. And yeah, it's hard. That part's really hard because we love to hang on to shit. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And we love to indulge. Indulgence is the nature of the ego, right? So if we're left to our own devices with our little minds, the ego just goes, okay, we're going to go over here and over here and over here and over here into all these pleasures and all these wonderful experiences that give me immediate gratification and do not serve the greater purpose of who I am as a spiritual being or as a soul or as a impactful um, sentient entity in the world. Like it doesn't, none of those things have any sort of strong impact except to just kind of throw everything in the garbage. Like it's just, it's a lot yeah. of waste, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so what is being asked through tapas is for us to actually take the time to create the time in our lives, because that's, we only all get the same 24 hours, but we create this day time in our day to look at ourselves and discover what non-supportive habits are actually fueling every single thing we do every day. And then we have some choices to make. Like once we start to see that there's this unsupportive habit that I have of drinking too much coffee, you know, which is, a, it can be a thing for me if I fall into that pit. It's like, oh, I get real productive when I drink four cups of coffee before noon. Yeah. 
you know, but then my whole life falls apart. Like literally my whole body is like, I just get shredded from the caffeine. Literally it's, it's really quite dangerous for me. And so same with the mental, like starting to look at those mental habits of that are not supportive rumination, like overthinking and worrying all the time about everything is like, yeah, that'll take you down. That's not really making any kind of impact that I'm interested in making in the world. No, no. Yeah. So I agree that it is important for us to look at those things, like just to look at the patterns that we're so comfortable in. Like when you said right at the very beginning, we just got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's like those deeply rooted patterns. There are, there are security blankets. Those are our comfy cozies, right? It's like, I know it. It's always there for me. Like I, I don't have to do anything. I can just be in it. It's like, to pull that away. I like think of like an amoeba on my face. Like I have to pull this thing off my face and it's so painful and it's so strong. It'll just like suck back on my face. And I'm like, okay, I'll try that one again tomorrow. Like that, the deepest rooted patterns in me have that feeling in my life. And it's like, Oh, for fuck's sake, I'm 46 years old. Like, why am I still having to do this? And I keep doing it because I see what happens when, you know, when it doesn't have that strong hold anymore, like, and there's more space. Like that's actually what's created that, that image of what you, you spoke about is it's such a beautiful place to live because everything around us is so cluttered and so loud. When we have that spaciousness within ourselves, we can navigate all the noise. We can navigate all the clutter and not pick it up. Like, it's like, no, I'm over here tending to this space inside of me. And that's way more important than buying this or eating that or drinking this or whatever, like, and without being self-righteous about it, like, but when there's space, we have room to actually contemplate when it's cluttered, there's no room for that shit. Like we can't, you can't, it's too noisy. So this is really it's such a good image. I love, I have like such a cool image of it inside of my head with a little sprout (laughs) because that is what we're, we're all trying to do when we get, do this work, right. We're trying to find out what is our purpose? What am I really here to do? What am I really here to share about my soul and my, my unique way of being in relationship with the rest of the world around me. And we cannot do that unless we're willing to burn up what no longer serves us. Yeah. Absolutely. And purpose is not something that is discovered through product productivity. I have learned it's the opposite. (laughs) It is is the opposite. And I was listening to someone recently sharing about purpose and how they see that happiness doesn't come from having things or materialism or being happy. Even it comes from having purpose. Yeah. When we feel fulfilled, happiness is a result. It's not an action. And so then the question is, well, how do you find purpose? Well, you have to clear things out and kind of pull things back and burn things down a little bit for that to start to emerge. And, and then you actually have to do some things. You have to try some stuff. You have to stop doing the things that don't feel fulfilling and try out some things you'd never done before. And then slowly that creative spark, you know, grows that little sprout. Like you said, I love that, that visual as well. And then it's like that sprout comes up and you nurture it and you give it something. And as you give it water and you give it food through your creative endeavors or your next action step or your spiritual practice or your community creating or whatever you do with your, with your tapas practice or your sadhana practice, it starts to grow. And then maybe the sprout sprouts something way across the way. And it's like a totally different sprout. And you're like, Oh, I'm going to go over there. And like now, and then, you know, next thing you know, you've got this whole 
this whole field of sprouts of amazing nourishing purpose that starts to come alive in your life. And it's, it's always unexpected and it's not usually what we think it's going to be. And that is also part of the practice is letting go of the attachment of this being a certain outcome. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. Like when I think about this in terms of what you're speaking of, like the, the beautiful thing about burning away and making space is that now there's room for curiosity curiosity gets to be there and curiosity is is I think the ultimate tenant of of finding your purpose like you have to you have to be able to stay curious and if you have your eye on the prize down the road it's going to be really hard to stay curious because you're going to be fixated on the goal right and it's okay to have goals I just I picture it like you know when we when we think of a goal I just think of this linear line it's like put the blinders on get disciplined focus, do the work and get to the goal, you know, like, and over time, I've really just, I've taken the blinders off. I'm okay to have the goal. Like if I want to do a half Ironman, I got to have some discipline. Like, otherwise that start line is going to suck ass. Like it's already going to be hard. It's going to be uber hard. It's going to suck beyond my wildest dreams. So taking the blinders off and then having the goal, but also seeing what's all around me on the path to the goal, because all the fruit of what is around that I wouldn't have normally seen is actually going to feed the fullness of getting to the goal. And that was so hard to learn for me like that. That took so long because it was so black and white for me before it was like, no, you do this to get that. It's like, uh, I don't know. So instead of a straight line, now I move like a snake. Like there's, there's just a, like a, a kind of a, a bouncing between the boundaries of letting myself just move a little bit over here. If I'm called to or move a little bit over here, because there might be something to see here that took so long to learn. And I'm still learning that it's so easy to go black and white when it comes to goals. Like I, I really feel that arrive. It's like, well, now I got to do the things like, I mean, we can both be really honest about this podcast. Like this, this is a toughest practice for us people. Cute. Every <laughs> single time we push record. <laughs> And we're not afraid to admit it, but we're also, you know, this is uber vulnerable. It's all of our heart. It's everything that we care about in the world. And we're putting it out there. Like there is no greater toughest practice for me. It's like what you talked about at the beginning, when you said like, there has, the heart has to be here, the courage. Right. And I'm more afraid now of not living like that. So I'm willing to sit in this fire of uncomfortableness of all my stories showing up of the fear of being judged or whatever it is. Like all of those things are going to be here too, but they matter less because I've done enough work of burning away those layer top layers of those stories that I know the fruit underneath that is just, it's just worth it. It's just worth it. It's worth it to sit on this podcast and be uncomfortable for the first five minutes and know that I am, I'm fulfilling my purpose. I am exactly where I need to be. And that is part of my why of doing this podcast is because I want to support women who want to do their life's work, who want their voice to be heard. Like, like you said, before we were talking, you guys weren't privy to this conversation, but we got to go first. Like we have to be the first ones in, right? And somebody's got to push the trail. Somebody's got to do it. And that nothing burns hotter than that to me in my life because women are not encouraged to do that. (laughs) We're told to shush. 
right? Whisper, don't be so loud. Don't take up so much space, all the things, right? So to go first and to push through and to burn bright and hot with your fire passion is, it feels dangerous sometimes. It does. It feels very, very risky is what it feels like. And this podcast is exactly that. And every single time we launch another episode, there's this like jittery feeling inside my belly. That's like, someone's (laughs) going to say something horrible and, you know, (laughs) someone's not going to like me and someone's going to criticize the way I said it, or, you know, this, this fear of being wrong or saying it wrong or failing. And I agree with you though. There's this deeper sense in me now that's getting stronger every time we do this that says, you know who you are. And there's other people in the world who want to know who they are. Yeah. And if you don't show them who you are, you can't expect them to show you who they are and you can't expect to have real relationships. And I want nothing more in my life mm-hmm. in real relationships and yeah. authenticity and truth and this ability or willingness to just be seen even in the fucking mess because I am a mess a lot and I say things wrong and I'm too much and I'm intense and I can say I can be all of that and that's (laughs) the truth of it and you know if that's a problem then okay I guess that's a problem but it's not my problem anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah amen and that I want that for other, other women. I have so many people in my life who are like this. I I have so many people who have this fire, women who have this fire that are terrified for someone to judge that fire. And that's killed. So yeah, like it's real. And that, so that fear gets to be here. We get to put that on the table, but it doesn't, for me now, it doesn't mean I don't go on the table. It's like, I, I just, I have to now, I don't know. There's just something there that feels like, it's worth, it's worth it. You know, there's a quote from Jill Bolte Taylor's book, my stroke of insight. Mm -hmm. And so she had a stroke and like saw, saw, uh, and she basically found enlightenment in this experience. Like she had a massive health crisis. She has a wonderful Ted talk. You should absolutely watch about it where she talks about it. And it's, she had her dark night of the soul in this experience of having a stroke and losing her ability to speak, but she completely embodied the part of her brain that is God or spirit or has an access point to that in ethereal space. Mm -hmm. And she says, we may not come out unscathed, but we come out free from our limitations in some way. Mm, Amazing. It's like, oh, like that, it just gives me goosebumps. It's like, ah, yeah, I want that. Sign me up. What do I got to do? Oh, you got to keep showing up on your podcast every goddamn week. Okay, great. I'll just keep doing that then. (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) Yeah, you know, but I have been scathed. Like I have an illness that strikes me when I don't express myself. Yeah. Strikes me when I'm not in alignment with what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I can't get away with the bullshit anymore. I can't get away with doing the doing the, the blind, just ignorant bliss stuff. It doesn't work. I actually just, my body's like, ah, no redirect over here, please. (laughs) And, and there's permanent stuff. I mean, maybe it's not permanent, but like I have joint damage. I have issues in my physical body that have come from all of these experiences of like burning too hot and staying in it anyway, and hoping something great was going to come of it, or I was going to have some spontaneous healing experience if I just pushed a little further into it. Yeah. You know? So yeah, 
I just, I think it's, I think it's a, it's not a perfect practice and tapas is a great place to really be real about that. It's like, this shit is, it burns hot and it's not perfect and it, it will have consequences, but everything in life has consequences, yeah. right? Choose your heart. It's going to be hard. Your heart. <laughs> yeah. What do you think if you can putting, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but what do you think is one of the greatest lessons? I mean, maybe you just spoke to this from this tenant, like, you know, the, the kind of the, it's anchor that you kind of live by now where this tenant shows up daily? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, an anchor. So the anchor that I use to keep showing up. Where it's up. like, now it is like just a hard truth about how tapas is with you every day. Mm. And I think you kind of spoke to it. Yeah, I just don't see the other way as a path anymore. Like it literally feels like that it actually doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to describe it. Like when I think about the visual of the barren land and yes. the like, little sprouts, I'm like, that's where I live. I The previous landscape that had the white picket fancy bullshit, like that's not even there anymore. Like I look, I'm, li I'm like, my hands are <laughs> left. I'm like yeah. trying to look. My little left brain is like, <laughs> but I can't, that's not there. So I think the anchor, the anchor is the feeling of freedom that comes through the practice. When I, when a limitation is, is unlatched, when the cage yeah. is opened up, it's like a part of me becomes a bird and she flies out a little bit more yeah. out of the nest. Yeah. And Sometimes I fly out and I soar and sometimes I fly out and I land on my face. But the the opening of the cage is like million dollars worth it. Like I just, I don't know. There's no other feeling like that. And it's like, when I look at the sunrise and set it, this feeling inside, I'm like, oh, that's me. Like that's me flying out of that cage over and over every day that I get to breathe this life. And that's an anchor for me now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's a hard question to. It is a hard question, but I also I think it's important for us to to look at how we integrate this work because it's so easy, you know, when 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 people are listening to this and they get, grab this book, it's not a to do list and it's laid out very easily to become a to do list because it's four weeks of study on each of the tenants. It's very easy to check the boxes here. And I think because we've spent so many years in this, in this, doing this work, it's like to reflect back on like, how has each of these tenants anchored in my life so that, you know, I, this is actually who I am now, like this part of the practice of this spiritual practice is how I live. I live from the place of each of these tenants. And I think it's important for us to reflect on that, to like really acknowledge the power of of this practice of mindfulness and burning and doing the work and opening our hearts and unlatching the cages and all of the ultimate freedom that is a result of these things. Like that is it. It's the feeling of freedom. It's like, I'm not bound. I'm not bound to other people's opinions of me anymore. Um, I'm aware of them, but I'm not going to crumble at the feet of those people anymore or turn and hide over here or armor up my heart or go over and eat the chocolate cake or drink four cups of coffee so I can be just as productive as the person I saw on my reel today. Like, 
like all of those things I think are so important and to look at how how this helps us be whole like this work really makes me feel more whole Absolutely. I think that is the gift is the feeling of wholeness, this, the feeling of coming home to the truth of who I am and how I get to be that wholeness in my life instead of being a fractured version of it, because I'm trying to appeal to someone else's sensibilities and the world's expectations of me as a woman or whatever. Um, But I think the other piece that is really become such an anchor for me is the feeling of safety Um, you know, just knowing, knowing that being myself is actually creating more safety in my life. Yeah. It's like not, that's so unexpected. Like safety is a massive thing for me through my life. I've never felt safe in my body, never felt safe in public spaces with other people. I always felt like I was on just, there was a threat always. It wasn't, it wasn't, something I could control. It was like really unconscious, you know, and the more, yeah, really primal. Exactly. It was like, it was running under there, under the the layers of that old, old trauma. That's maybe way before me, you know? And, but it's, as I reclaim these parts of myself that I exiled as a result of whatever happened to me or, you know, cultural stuff, um, I've re- reclaimed this feeling of safety and it's visceral. It's, it's lived inside my tissue. And the more I feel whole, it's like this feedback loop. It like feeds the safety, mm-hmm. and the safety feeds the courage. And then the courage feeds the wholeness. And then it's just this beautiful totally. circle of, of energetic fulfillment and nourishment that builds me to becoming this person that I want to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that inner depth that you get to have through this practice is so wonderful. Yeah. I I mean, I think it's similar for me. I don't know if it, I would call it safety, but I think when you said that, that really pinged something in me, but the feeling of being able to trust myself, I felt like I, I, I never felt like I've been able to trust myself. Um, and this practice has allowed that. And so when I trust myself more, it's, I'm getting the same loop that you're talking about. Like, I really get that. It's like, I have to be brave. I have to, I have to disarm. I have, to, I have to show up to the hot. I have to show up to the heat. I have to show up to the conversation. I have to show up to tell the truth. And as I continue to do that in safe spaces, I'm more likely to do it anywhere. <laughs> I don't care if the space is safe because I'm safe within myself. I trust who I am. And if you don't like it, that's okay. You can pick a different podcast or unfriend me or unfollow me. I'm really good with that now. Um, and that is a feeling of safety, I guess. I mean, it's the same thing, but for me, the word is trust. Like I just, I trust myself, but that trust has created a different level of safety in my life where I feel safe outside of my home, where I feel safe when I go in an airport, like there's just, there's something about how how steady I feel, I guess, in the truth of who I am and not having to defend myself or justify my decisions or apologize for telling the truth about something if it hurts your feelings. Like, because I know that the the tenant of ahimsa of nonviolence is at the root of all of this. So people who know me and love me know that that's where I'm, I'm really trying to operate from that place all the time. And I'm not, I'm very imperfect. 
and I still have my shit and it shows up on the daily, like living with my partner is all in my face with this stuff. It's like, oh yeah, you're, yeah, you're so good at by yourself here, have this now let's practice. (laughs) And it is, it is beautiful. What happens? Like, that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in real relationship. If you don't want to be in relationship, you don't want to show up in some way, even if it's just a little peek outside of, you know, your pattern, I don't think we have anywhere to go. You know, I just, or there's a different, a different relationship there maybe, but like the ones I'm interested in is like, I'll let you see me and you show me who you are. And then let's, let's see what happens in the fucking amazing magic that, that I know that that is like, I've watched it over the last few years in real time happening in front of my face and in these programs and in these circles and yeah, I want more of that. So I'll keep burning. (laughs) I will keep doing that work. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's interesting because I feel the safety in my body, but I'm still working on trusting myself. I Mm -hmm. like, as I was listening to you talk, I was like, yeah, I see how it's, there is a similarity in that. And for me, that the reason that I'm not using those words is because that's actually an active real-time practice for me right now, mm. because I, I trust myself inside myself. Like if I'm left to my own devices to make a decision about something, I'm good. But yeah. the minute I open my mouth and engage someone else in that dynamic, I don't hundred percent trust myself all the time in that because I sometimes violate my own boundaries. Right. Right. Then I go out of my own truth because I'm, I'm still losing myself in some way. And it's just, there's, there's scant. There's like, it's way better than it was. I'm not broken into a thousand fragmented pieces when I'm trying to have a conversation with someone, but it's still, I just, I wanted to say that because I feel like it's really easy to, to think that we are just, we've got this practice down. It's like, it's totally a work in progress always. And all I can do is notice my choices, right? Yep. Notice my choices and what I'm actually choosing and doing and the, the awareness that I'm, am I choosing from a pattern? Am I choosing from a, an old wound? Am I choosing from indulgence or wanting? Or am I choose, or am I choosing from some feeling that I'm really addicted to having or not having? Yeah. As to like choosing from this place in me that is whole and, you know, complete and who knows what, who she is. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and it is a it is a practice that is daily. Like you said, like this isn't like I'm not all good. Like I don't feel like I got this shit nailed down. It's like, you know, yesterday I had to say some hard things in my relationship, and my pattern was right beside me. It's like this person has arrived now because you need to talk. And what I wanted to do was just keep reading my book and pretend they weren't there. And I was very aware of this, like. You can't have both girlfriend. Like you gotta, if you want the connection, the person is right here. It couldn't be any closer. So put your fucking book down. Cause that's my way of, of leaving. Right. And that is a pattern for me. So now instead of physically leaving the room, I just get behind a book. So that's progress. <laughs> it's not perfection, but it is progress. Like, because before, I mean, I've slammed a door in your face before. Like I, that pattern in me will probably always be with me. Yeah, I will always have a relationship with this pattern, but I am very fucking aware of it now. Like to the point where it's kind of annoying when it shows up. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, we're here again. Okay. And then I have to take a breath and then I have to consciously take the 
steel plate off of my heart. And then I have to take another breath. And then I have to put the book down. Like I have to be with myself all the way through. And that shit is hot. Like that is tapas. That is every day in my life. There is something that shows me this practice like every day, a hundred percent. And sometimes I choose to engage and sometimes I don't. And that's just the reality of it. Yeah. And I think that is the truth of it is that it's a lifetime practice. Like we've said about all these tenants, because our patterns don't go, they don't go away. Like, I think we have a fantasy in the new age world of psychology therapy of like, we're just going to poof the magic wand after we do enough therapy. We don't have these patterns anymore, but that is in my experience, not the case. Yes. There are certain ones that go so dormant that I'm like, Oh, I don't like, it doesn't actually come into my head anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, Oh, I don't do that one anymore, but I still see it in everybody else doing it. I'm like, Oh, wow. Wow. It's like, so it's still in my sphere, but then there's other ones like what you're talking about, which this is, I, I love that you mentioned the slamming door because that's the, the flashback I had when you were talking about holding your book up was this, you know, there was a few times that the door got slammed in my face, but this particular time when you went in your bedroom and you slammed the door and I literally almost got my nose like shut in the door because I was so much trying to come in and like be inside of your dynamic of what was happening. It was like, don't leave me. And you were like, boom, I'm out of here. You know, like the clash and the clang of those patterns bumping up against each other. Like both of those patterns were fucking toxic, you know, Mm -hmm. and our relationship was toxic in that moment because we were, we were both hundred percent in the pattern. That we yeah, have hundred <laughs> percent. You know? And, and so that was almost 10 years ago, if not 10 years ago. And then in the last year, there's been moments where you have, you know, held the book up because you don't slam doors on me anymore. I and, know, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. and there's moments where I am like graspy and like, oh, don't leave me, don't leave me, you know? And then I'm like, check yourself. You're fine. Like she's not going anywhere. It's okay. Take a breath, you know? And then we both kind of like have our ah, shaky, shaky. (laughs) And then we come together and we have a freaking grown ass conversation about like, Oh my God, I thought you didn't want to be my friend anymore. And like, I didn't think you were ever going to talk to me about it. And like, I just didn't know. And I was so scared. And then you're like, fuck, I just, I, I just could feel myself getting rigid and my, my steel plate went on my heart. And I was like, I wanted to shut down, but I don't want to. And and then we know we both cry and move through it. Like, but this is the truth of it. Like we're still having these conversations, Jamie and I, about how hard it is to just stay wide open with each other. And like, I have chills right now as I'm saying it because it's work. Like we work for this deep intimacy that we share. We work for it almost every fucking day. You know, we get some weeks in there, but like a lot of the time it's work and we still are doing it. Like to be here on this recording right now, we had to have like a three hour conversation the other day. (laughs) (laughs) It was a hard conversation. It was tricky and uncertain and scary and all the things, but we showed up and we, we love each other and we love the shit of each other, like the patterning in each other. We see it so clearly now it's like, let's kind of let it dance, you know, in the periphery of, of who we actually are, because those parts are part of us. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a beautiful (laughs) recollection of, of our friendship. And I think that is one of the things that women in particular, I think men too, but I don't know, women are kind of where I'm at right now. Like 
we crave this, like, this is, this is how women are supposed to be. We're supposed to be in community with one another. And that shit is fucking impossible now. Like it is, it is a daily thing. Linz and I talk almost every single day. We live like 800 miles apart and we legitimately connect almost every day. I would say without beats, even if I'm in the forest or she's somewhere in California, like there's a touching Mm -hmm. of each other um, because we see each other and we want more, right? We want intimacy. We want deep, meaningful relationships. I had this feeling last night. This is probably why I couldn't sleep of like watching a person, an unfaced person walk through their life. And it was like, I was watching them walk along this timeline of just in and out of their daily grind in and out, in and out. And I was like, oh my God, they're in midlife. And I just had this thing of like, I know this intellectually that that's not what life is about. And that's not what we're here to do. But I, my heart broke into a million pieces thinking about how many people live like that. And I don't know. I just, it, it was one of the, it was a motivator to keep going and to keep having hard conversations with people that I love deeply. Um, and to keep living the life that I know I'm supposed to be living. I I'm no authority in anybody else's life and what their purpose is. But if I show people that I'm doing this work and like, we are doing this work and we are burning pot and it is not easy, but it's, worth it. Like, this is what can happen for you. Then I just, that's a, that's a, it's an external motivation for me. Like I have tons of internal motivations, but that building community and intimacy, I'm willing to burn hot. I'm willing to keep doing my work because I see how it changes everyone around me that I love. I I get deeper relationships with my children. I get deeper relationships with my partner. I get more truthful relationships. And then I can trust myself in doing this work it's like oh you can you can take that off your heart and you can be here it's okay like I have to like have that conversation with myself sometimes yeah but it's just worth it to me it's just absolutely worth it but it's not easy it's the hardest work in my life yeah it's it is hard I mean it's just another it's another way of living is what it is right and it's it's building a tolerance to new experiences and new possibilities instead of constantly replaying the movie of your life which is the same fucking thing every day like if we don't push into tapas if we don't push into the fire of transformation for ourselves or some awareness practice that wakes up the mundane mind of just repetition we will we will not have new experiences yeah if we don't have new experiences we die like we will just replay it until the spirit which gives us breath is tired of giving that repetition any energy and then we just go right and we're gonna go anyway because we only get spirit time here we only get so much breath and so much life in this form so why would we waste it on a repetitive rerun over and over again? I'd rather go into something real, which is scary and new and different and unfamiliar and potential for failure is higher. And the chance of falling on my face is inevitable, right? Like, yeah, that sucks, but it doesn't <laughs> suck as much as waking up and being like, I don't really want to get out of bed today. Cause there's nothing, nothing's happening. It's the same, same. I'm going to hurt today or be sad today or hate my my life today or my partner 
you know, like, I'm just going to worry the day away. Like I can't, I just, that's not interesting to me anymore. And so I'd rather stretch. Yeah. Have, have the bumpy road. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think, I think a good way to wrap is to talk about sort of where to start. Like what kind of suggestions can we offer people as a far, I know this is always hard for us to answer because we, it's like, you have to go, how did we start? And one of the things that I, I, when I was thinking about this answer to how would I answer this question? I was like, oh, I think I would just say, choose a practice, like just choose something, start with something really small and just start there. You know, it's see if you can stay with it for a week. So maybe, Mm. maybe you floss your teeth. If you have floss your teeth every day for a week, like it literally can be something like that. Like that's just a, that's just a form of tapas. It can be that. Yeah. Um, It's a great suggestion. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's really basic, but it, it, it works because it builds that muscle. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. And, and to watch when you go away from the practice, what happened? Why did you stop? I think that is an important piece. It's like, okay, I went away. I don't have to beat myself up about it. I don't have to floss six times today to make up for it. I have to know why, what, what did I do? What happened? What, what happened that made me make the decision and the choice to not do it? Mm, I love that. And you got to be gentle. Yeah. You got to be gentle here. You cannot beat yourself up about this. Be curious, like super curious, super open-hearted with yourself because the curiosity is going to show you the pattern because, you know, how we do the one thing is how we kind of tend to do all the things in our lives, especially when it comes to these patterns. Right. And then you might uncover your pattern. So, you know, we talk about patterning all the time, but a lot of people aren't even aware of what their patterns are, but you have to know your pattern because you can't change what you don't know. So you have to start to name your patterns. You have to start to develop a relationship with your pattern that is seeing it not just being in it because that is unconscious generally, right? We have to shed some light consciously on what our pattern is. And so be curious, pick something. I think the the flossing the teeth is a brilliant example because it's low risk, low cost. Well, I mean, unless your dentist has said it's, you know, you got to get the shit under control. Like that might light a different fire under you, but it's, it's low risk and your pattern will show up in even the lowest risk thing that you choose. So don't go in the fucking hard door. Don't go in the like husband and wife door. That one's too, too loaded. Like go in an easy door, find something, or maybe you, you know, maybe you have a yoga practice or a physical practice. Maybe you want to run a marathon, but you're not really doing the training. So you commit to running a kilometer every day or whatever it is, like pick something really low risk for a short period of time. And then be really aware and curious about why you stop because you will stop. Yes. That was, I was going to say, don't, don't fool yourself because (laughs) you're going to quit a hundred times. All that it matters is that you notice on the hundredth time why you're quitting. And then you come 101 to a new place. If you notice your choices, this is what you're talking about, which I think is, this is the meta part of this practice. And I think this is why nobody teaches this stuff. Nobody's talking about yamas and niyamas because let's just do yoga asana. Let's just do physical practice. Let's just run the marathon. Let's not look at why we quit before we run the marathon or why we don't do our breathing practice or why we eat the French fries every day instead of the carrot sticks or whatever the heck it is. Like, notice the choices, right? Because 
something will make you make a choice. It's either going to make you floss your teeth or it's going to make you go to bed without brushing your teeth. <laughs> and it's you a- might get really stubborn about this. Yeah. And so notice the stubbornness. It's like, is there an emotional wanting that feels right? Yes. About it, whether it's like righteous, right? Do you feel yeah. right aligned or do you feel righteous and I'm not fucking doing this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, what we feel we need is rarely wrong. It totally. comes, you know, it comes from a place of greater truth usually, but what we like, what we want or what we desire, what we're feeling in the moment is typically pretty misleading. And it's born from emotion, which, you know, emotions are not, they're not really beacons for making decisions. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, if I never make emotional decisions. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really brilliant. And maybe, you know, that will be our reflection on Instagram today is like, tell us what you picked. <laughs> yeah. Tell us what you picked and what happened. Like, be honest as as be as honest as you can, and um, you know it, it. It's it's really cool to be witnessed in these things. I think it's actually imperative that you're witnessed in these things, and it's helpful to be witnessed by people who are also walking the path with you, <laughs> because we have a shit ton of compassion, especially if we, since we've been doing this for so long. Like we we just know we can hold it. We can just hold it. We can see you in it. We can hold it and community is really important when you're doing this work you can't do this by yourself so I would love to hear that so maybe we'll we'll put that into the social media aspect here and uh get get people to to share what they picked and what happened yeah and you know you make a very good point we can't do it alone I do think there's a place for going into hermit mode and isolation to navigate some of this Yes. Yeah. Like it is a private practice at times, but we always have to come back out into community to make the transformation stick or to integrate what we're actually creating inside of ourselves. Yeah. And as a caveat to that, be careful who you tell. <laughs> yeah. So Jamie, you make a really good point. Like tell people who are also doing this work, you know, if you have a brother or like, you know, a colleague that is just like not even in the realm of awareness that you're working with, if you tell them, it's very possible that it, that will actually hurt and harm and make it even harder. Cause it will, it can sabotage it because yeah. people get really get their hackles up about this stuff, right? If they're not doing what you're doing and they see you doing something and being a go-getter and, and like going first, so to speak, they can get a little fiery about that. And then they will try to take you down. It's not even that they're consciously doing it, but that can happen. I've had it happen to me. Oh yeah. Um, so just be, remember Brene Brown's words where she talks about the, the, the quote, not everyone gets a front row seat. If you, and if they're not in the arena with you fighting the good fight, they don't get to fucking know. Yeah. And they don't get to say, I'm going to say, so they might have something to say about it, feedback, but you just let that go right through your ears over the head out in one of the, over the pile of dog crap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good points. Yeah. All right. So okay. we've got lots of cool things that we'll post on social media to in, like to interact with this one. It's cool. It's cool. I'm looking forward to hearing what people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'd love to support you guys. So let us hold you accountable. Tell us what you're doing, how long you're going to do for, and then we can check on you. Do you have one that you want to do? Hmm. 
well, this podcast is my, is my tapas right now. So we need to keep recording on a regular. <laughs> oh, I guess I'm going down that boat with you. Okay. <laughs> um, but a smaller one, gosh, well, it's always rest for me. It's just making sure I, I have to rest every day. I love you. Mine is I need to move every day. <laughs> Welcome to the glimpse of our world. Yep, this is we it. We are so opposite in so many ways. Yep. Yeah, I need to move every day, so I'm gonna I'm gonna commit to that. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. Well, commit to resting. So I guess we'll have to share this on the pod. Hmm. All right. Okay, well, I have a question for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. This is a good one. What is one item on your bucket list of life? Okay. Well, this is, it's a big item because I think about these things very often. I have a list in my notes of the, of the things and they're mostly places I want to be, I want to go. And so I have a list of forests that I want to visit all over the world. <laughs> and um, Yakushima Island in Japan is the top of my list. It is like, uh it like makes every part of my body go shivery and vibrating when I think about going there. So that is a bucket list that will be happening. Um, and I just keep adding forests to my list. Like I have um, Dartmoor and I have the Redwood National Forest, which is actually quite close to me. Maybe we could do a road trip. That would be nice. Mm -hmm. um, the Grove of Titans, like there, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, it, it is it's one of my bucket lists is to see as many forests in as many parts of the world as I can. Mm. And I'm starting with Sweden in two weeks. So yeah, you are. Yeah. So I don't know how much forest there is on Gotland, but there's some. <laughs> yeah. How about you? What's your bucket list? I'm so excited to hear this. Um, well, I never about this. I know I don't. I'm it's, un it's uncomfortable. I feel I feel, Jamie just spat out her teeth. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm like, I would way rather talk about this than all the hardship we talk about. <laughs> Opposite. So funny. Let's draw well, pictures about it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Well, because I can feel, I can feel the truth right here is like what I want to say and what I'm scared to say. Oh. Like, so I have to say both because of Obviously. course- then you just get a little insight into who I am. So what I want to say is that I want to write a book. I want to publish a book. I want to be, a, I want to be out there with a, some written words. And particularly, I want to publish a poetry book, mm -hmm. uh, which I already have, like the content of pretty much, I think it's just a matter of getting the kahunas to do it and put it out there. But what I need to say is that I want, I want to visit an animal or an elephant sanctuary and live there for like a month or maybe a few months and foster an elephant and help raise a baby elephant, um, in one of the, one of the foster sanctuaries in Africa. Oh, amazing. So yeah, when doing both of those things. Yeah. I mean, one feels more like a goal oriented right? yes, yes, and yes, one yes. feels more like a tapas practice because going to live in an elephant sanctuary would not exactly be an easy experience. Like I don't get the vibe. It would be easy. I mean, I'm sure I could make it easy if I have a gazillion dollars and I go, I'll do the fluffy version, but I'm not going to do that. 
You know, I want to, I want to do it in a way that's actually creating a good impact in the world and like supporting the sanctuaries that are doing really beautiful work with elephants, you know? And when my mom passed away and I got some inheritance money, that was actually what I wanted to do, but I chickened out and life got in the way. And, you know, I just didn't, I didn't get there, but it was literally Ari was like, what is the, the thing that you need. And I was like, I need to go be with the elephants. Like that was literally all I wanted to do at that time. And so, yeah, so it's on the list. It's definitely needs to happen before I die. Okay, good. I will hold you accountable (laughs) now that I know. (laughs) I think I love about the podcast. I think I know like almost all there is to know about you. And then you tell me something like that and I love it. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's really fun. It's amazing how how much we don't express, you know, like, and then it just slowly starts to come out. Both of our partners would not say that we don't share much with each other. (laughs) I love that when I come to visit you, Ari has just, he just gets it now. He just, he just leaves us. And then he visits us too, which I also very much love. Yeah. Yeah. Special. Yeah. Well, thank you for the grace around our understanding, our, our break. I think that I would just wanted to acknowledge that because we, you know, we did get a few messages from people just like, you know, my friends were like, yeah, I get it. You know, like you just, we needed to take a break and we are trying to walk our talk here. And it was just really clear for both of us, as much as we, you know, we wanted to keep going and doing this, that we actually had nothing to give at that moment. It would have been a push. It would have been a goal. It would have been discipline. Um, And that's just not what we're about. And so we really, we really appreciate that space. And I felt people holding the space, you know, I had people talk to me about it and they're like, Oh, I'm just going to go back and listen to some of the other ones, you know? And I'm like, Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Great. There's lots to listen to. There's a lot of content on our podcast already, which we're very proud of. And we're very, very grateful for the small and mighty community that we've built so far. Like we are really grateful. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I do, I want you all to know that we see you. There's a very core group of you who talk to Jamie and I on the regular, and we have deep conversations offline about the podcast and about the topics that, you know, not the podcast, but the topics that we endeavor to share about in the podcast. And it's created so much beauty in friendship in relationship with each, with all of us. And you know who you are. If you're like, Oh, you're talking about me. Yes. I'm talking about you. It's, (laughs) you know, and we're just learning how to do this and we're new. We're total neophytes with this crap. And we're just like, I don't know. Is this like, is this even worth like, you know, but we just feel this call and you, the people who reach out, the people who share and answer those questions that people who call me up and say, Hey, I need to talk to you about that topic that you just put on the podcast. Like I, my mind is blown, you know, all the comments that you shared it, it really is the fuel for us to do this. Like it's massive. And I don't care if it's one person or 10 people or a million people like this, it matters. It matters because you guys are telling us what you need and uh, how to be in relationship. You're teaching us along the way. And so yeah. Thank you for the grace of the break. Uh, I agree. Jamie nailed it. Like we just really want to practice what we preach, so to speak. And this is coming from a different place than uh, external pr- productivity and goal setting. Like this is, this is a deeper call and we really want to make sure that we stay aligned with that so that it attracts people like you who 
want to live that way too. Yeah. Well said. So we have two more to go. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So you have like, you're gonna have like 15 hours of yoga philosophy <laughs> to go through. You might have to listen more than once. And if anything comes up, you just reach out to us, however you feel comfortable reaching out to us and we will happily have the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Till next time, guys. That's a wrap. We sure hope you've enjoyed this episode. Linz and I are committed to a no edit recording as we want the conversation to be as authentic as possible. We have a big vision of a transparent and fully expressed world and allowing ourselves to be heard uncensored feels integral to that pursuit. In addition, our mission is to wake up, shake up and raise up all authentic voices in cultivating a collective community of rebels on purpose. We are honored to invite you to join the circle and to share your rebel voice in our community. Community is built and sustained through participation. So circle up and engage with us on Instagram at rebels on purpose. If you enjoyed the show today, please drop us a review as this helps us widen our circle and lets us know what you'd like to hear. And lastly, from our fiery hearts to yours, we call you to speak up, be curious, and call forward the sacred rebel that burns inside of you. What the world needs is humans who are fully alive, living a life on purpose, and honoring all that is sacred. Thank you.